no, it's not too late. You still have the ability to gain muscle. You have the ability to gain flexibility. I even used to tell this to my 80 year old patients that were coming off of surgeries or coming off of really bad injuries. And they're like, can I gain this muscle back? Am I too old now? No, you're not too old. You literally always have that potential to gain new muscle cells. You always have that potential to grow and get stronger. Hey dancers, welcome to the show. I'm Julie, and I'm your host today on this episode of Broche Banter. I both own and teach at Broche Ballet, a virtual ballet school just for adults. Join us as we explore all things adult ballet. Today on the show, I chat with Veronica Kay, who runs an online ballet cross-training and injury prevention platform. We talk about a wide range of topics, including physical therapy, cyberbullying, and popular fake and unrealistic before and after photos. It's an awesome conversation where we get a chance to compare notes on how we help ballet work for adult dancers and regular everyday human bodies. But the best part is that you'll get to hear Veronica's unique perspective from her physical therapy and personal training background that she brings to the ballet world. Enjoy. Before I went to college and got my dance degree and then went back to college again and got a degree in physical therapy and then got certified as a personal trainer, all those experiences kind of in together really made me look at the, the world of dance differently. Um, because when I was training as a child, I remember seeing other kids in the classroom and you know, every child progresses at a different rate and they're all growing at different rates. So, you know, it's not it's not fair to say, hey, you know, Susie over here has her full split, so why don't you? Um, and as a teacher, you really shouldn't be saying, like, you know, making those comparisons like that either. Um, because you should be able to look at your student and be like, oh, well, you know, this girl has really tight internal rotators, and that's why she's not able to do this as well. Um, and this person literally was just born like a noodle, so that's why they're on the floor doing the splits. Um, but like when I was a child, I, I feel like there was a lot of pressure to be doing, you know, the same thing as the person next to you in the classroom, which can be really devastating for your ego. And my teacher would go around and she would sit on us and like make us go down on our splits or whatever and tell us we all had to look the same in the class. So that was something that really always bothered me as a dancer. Because now I look at that and I'm like, that's absolutely not true. We all dance differently. Mm -hmm. Every single one of us. I dance differently than you and, you know, vice versa. My whole idea, my methodology is I want to introduce ballet from a standpoint of it being, you know, it can be preventative injury-wise. It can You can do ballet and you can, you know, not get injured if you train right. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the whole thing with my platform is I am trying to train people the strong way and not, not have them sitting on like blocks, suspending themselves in the air and thinking they have to do the over splits in five days. Like these YouTube videos are selling, you know, telling them like, Hey, you can get the over splits in 24 hours. All you have to do is jump on yourself and then slam yourself into these yoga blocks and then you'll get it. Um, that's a great, great way to damage your ligaments if you're looking to dance only for maybe a year and then end up with some surgeries afterward. Welcome to the show, Veronica. I'm so excited to get to sit down with you and, and just chat about all things ballet. 
Yes, I'm super excited too. Thank you for having me, Julie. So fun. So Veronica, for anyone who doesn't know her yet, Veronica runs um, an injury prevention um, ballet cross training platform um, and really is a huge on safe ballet practices, um, which as you all know, I care a lot about with all my adult dancers. Longevity is our key here. And so I'm really excited to be able to chat with you today about I mean, all things adult ballet, because we have so much in common with our dancers and how we're trying to train them to dance for the rest of their lives and not dance for a short spurt and get injured. We want them to be healthy and dancing forever. Absolutely. Absolutely. That is the key with our both of our methodologies and how we teach, which is why I enjoy talking to you so much, because you're just like you have very similar views on things that I hold very near and dear to me. Sometimes I get asked if we are competition with each other. And um, I think you get this question sometimes as well. And I just want to start off the conversation by addressing that in case anyone is sitting there listening, wondering why we're chatting with each other. Um, but to me, and I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on this as well. I'll, I'll start. To me, my competition is boredom with ballet. My competition is getting you getting injured and not being able to dance anymore. My competition is you feeling like you can't do it and losing motivation and quitting dance forever. My competition is any of the challenges in the ballet world that push one of our dancers out of the ballet world. I see someone like you and any of the other adult ballet providers out there as continuing to foster my dancers love for ballet and continuing to keep them motivated and continuing to keep them safe and healthy and in the ballet world and trying to help keep them from being driven out by any of those other factors, being too busy, being too bored, being sad, being unmotivated. So that's how I see, that's how I see kind of the synergy between what we do and a lot of the other dance teachers out there. How, what, what, what's your thoughts? Anything you want to add on to that? I agree hundred percent. I mean, I've never had anybody come to me and be like, yeah, well, I just don't want to take your classes or do your platform because I like Julie better or whatever. Um, I actually have a lot of dancers. Well, we have a lot of dancers. We share that because we provide different services right. and we share a lot of people. And I guess like I never really thought of myself as going up against someone else in specific for competition because I grew up, you know, I did competitions, like the competition circuits, um, a lot growing up. And you see all these different dance teachers coming together in those competitions. And they're like, hey, these are my kids. These are my kids. And, like, sometimes you'd go to the other studio and, like, your teacher would want you to take class at that mm -hmm. other studio. Because it's, it's helpful for a student to take classes with other teachers. Because everybody teaches differently. So I've never felt like... And I even tell my kids like um, that I have my teens at the in-person studio that I work at a little bit. I tell them like it is good for you to take classes with multiple teachers. You don't want to be learning from just one person your entire life. And then it'd be like, oh, man, you know what? I learned with this one person my entire life. I've never seen anything else. That's really weird like for that student if you're, you know, venturing out like that or if you're not venturing out and, you know, spreading your wings. But the biggest hurdles in my business, like to get students to actually dance, um, are a lot of the same things that you pointed out, but my biggest competitor is financial restraints. Mm. Because I always feel for those people who are like, I really want to take class somewhere or do something, but I don't have the money. Mm. Like that is, a, that is a big hurdle that um, a lot of people have to deal with. But yeah, mentally and physically, those barriers are much harder to get by than 
to join the the dance world and 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 share you know students with another studio or another teacher or something like that i i think that most teachers understand that the arts are hard to thrive in and we want to support each other we're not out to like go kill each other so I don't know. I I definitely do not consider us competitors. That's for sure. I agree. I, I agree a hundred percent. I think it's so important to get different perspectives because each teacher brings their background to the table. So the things that I know that I find the things that I struggled with the most are the easiest for me to teach. The things that I've helped people break through are the easiest for me to teach. The things that came more naturally to me are incredibly challenging to teach. And they're not the same things as what came naturally to you. And so you are able you not necessarily you specifically, but you other teachers are able to fill in those gaps that I have in my teaching and are able to provide that perspective because ballet is like, there's a lot to learn. Oh my gosh, there is an incredible amount to learn. Sometimes it's yeah. overwhelming, even as teachers. And so to know that there's someone else out there who's got my back and who's got my dancers back and that can help fill in those gaps is like, takes a weight off in, in a sense <laughs> as a teacher. Yeah, yeah. And I, I still go, well, not right now, but before COVID hit and before I got pregnant, I still was taking classes with other people because I like to see how somebody else is explaining something because, you know, I don't remember, it was a year ago now, but I went and took this class with an instructor and she was older and she explained, you know, she broke down the difference of passe and retire so well that I was like, you know what? I never even thought of it that way. Mm. And that's a really great way to, you know, tell students who are beginners, what the difference between it is and why you have to know the difference. So it's just really helpful. I think the more connections you make, that's, that's going to only help you more. And like you said, I didn't even think of what you just said, but it is so much easier for me to help somebody get better at pirouettes. And I am terrible at pirouettes. Always been bad at pirouettes. Um, But I can help people get their pirouettes better so much better than I can help people with like other things that like came naturally. Like, like you said, and and feet, my feet were always flat as boards. And I am like, I am so good with the feet now. So (laughs) it's like, Oh my gosh, that's crazy that you said that though. It just kind of opened my mind up and I'm like, Oh, those are my teaching strengths, my dancing weaknesses. Yeah. And it's like, if you want to turn, don't go to a good turner. I mean, maybe someone who was a bad turner and they had, and you see there before pictures, but like those of us who really struggled with turns and I'm the same way. And I struggle a lot with anxiety up on point. I'm terrified of point, but I am really good at teaching point, Mm -hmm. getting out the fear because I have so much of it and I've had to overcome it. And it's the same thing with like these things that we've had to overcome, even though we're not necessarily perfect at them yet. I mean, who's perfect at anything? We are really good at teaching them because I'm like, let me tell you the hundred things I've tried and <laughs> I can tell you yeah. all the things that worked and didn't work. Yeah. And my, you know, saying that it, my teacher that I grew up with, she was a really good turner. <laughs> she would just whip out like turns and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Some- hold on. Let me just fall down. <laughs> Well, so yeah, and definitely some of them can teach the pirouettes, but some people who naturally could turn are just like, I don't know, you turn. It's like, oh, that's not helpful if I can't turn. That's not helpful because I don't know how to turn. So it's, it's interesting. Um, But I also, it kind of is a good segue into a topic I know is super important to you because you talk about it on Instagram and online all the time, which is progressing. Can we get better as adult dancers? What should we be expecting as adult dancers? Do we, you know, we see a lot of like before and after pictures kind of flooding the internet. Um, 
What, what are your thoughts on that? I'm going to leave that a little open-ended and just let you talk a little bit <laughs> and then I'll dig in. Oh boy, you might need to stop me. Okay. So, well, first of all, the before and after thing. Um, there are some legitimate ones out there that are really showing good progress. Like the other day I saw one that was a girl who was holding her natural turnout and she was turning and she showed a really good before and after. And I was like, good for you. Show the real stuff, man. Like that's what I want to see out there. And it is so damaging when these coaches that are endorsing their services or endorsing their product um, are putting before and afters out there that are not na actually before and afters. They're, if you go and look at that dancer's profile or you go, you know, and you see, <laughs> they say that it happened in this one session, but it's not physically possible. It, you know, you cannot go from, a 45 degree extension to 120 in one session. Right. Unless, unless like, <laughs> you know, the only way that that's possible is that that dancer was extremely strong beforehand and just had no idea how to lift her leg up to the side. That's the only way that that's, you know, going to happen. But in order to actually gain strength, when I worked in physical therapy clinics, we would have patients come in and they would do six weeks of physical therapy two to three times a week, okay? And the reason that it's laid out that way is because that's what's been proven by, you know, tons of evidence, tons of studies, tons of research by exercise science, physiologists, um, physical therapists, tons of people who that's their job, you know, that's their life. That, that is a good time frame for actual muscle development and actual growth mm -hmm. or, you know, flexibility growth. You got six weeks, you've got to, you know, be on consistent with the two to three times a week. And after that six weeks, then you'll start to see some growth. So I always tell people that's my time frame. Like I tell people that time frame and that makes people, um, a lot of people get discouraged by that. And, um, then they'll say, well, you know, so-and-so on their platform, they were able to teach blah, 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 this in one session. And she went from having bent knees and flexed feet in her splits to being all the way down and over split. And then I have to try to explain to them, I know how that looks. I understand how that looks, but that is not actually what happened in one session. Like it's mm -hmm. physically impossible. The only way that somebody, and that's another thing with stretching, the Golgi tendon organ. Okay, this is and muscle spindles. These fibers, these these components of our muscle actually protect us from overstretching. So when you take your arms or your legs or whatever and you're pulling them really hard and fast, those receptors will fire and they'll lock up. So if you've ever tried to really deep stretch and you feel like that tensing mechanism, that's what's happening. It's protecting you from overstretching and tearing your muscles. So when you see those ridiculous before and afters, they're not true because if somebody was really stretching and trying to stretch to that capacity, the Golgi tendon organ would have kicked in and stopped them from going that far because there isn't that length in the muscle yet. Mm -hmm. so you have to progressively lengthen your muscle so that it's kind of tricked into staying in that stretched position. Otherwise you can damage the ligaments that surround the joint and you never want to stretch ligaments because that's what holds our bones together. <laughs> so, you know, but 
it's just, it's really hard when you're a teacher who's trying to teach quality, safety, um, and actually develop somebody's strength, develop their extensions. I mean, right now my extensions are awful because I'm pregnant and I can't wait. I'm going to try to, when I come back dancing again, I want to actually like try to record myself in real life progression to show them how much or how much time it's going to take me to get my right. extensions back to 120 where they were before pregnancy. I'm betting it's going to take at least three to four months for myself. Mm-hmm. That's just, you know, you have to have realistic expectations. You can't just, it, it's just like media, the media, you know, things are Photoshopped. Yep. And, and that's another thing. These before and afters, you can tell some of them are Photoshopped too. So, you know, you just have to be, you have to be realistic with your expectations. And I think, I think you agree with that too, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, it's funny. It's, I have, I have, it's hard to even know where to start on this topic, which I know you feel the same way, right? Cause there's so much here. Um, but it's just interesting. Cause I run, you know, obviously two different Instagrams. I have my own where I just kind of post my own journey. Cause I'm also an adult late starter. And I just, obviously yeah. I'm just I'm generally obsessed with ballet and love to dance and post my own progress. And, you know, it's funny because on that account, if I post myself working really hard on a super slow tendu, it gets like no attention, no likes, nobody wants to look at it or talk about it. It's the most boring thing. It's not glamorous. And then when I post like a random picture where, you know, I have my leg up high or like something impressive is happening, it gets tons of likes and shares and comments. And, you know, it's just like flashier. Obviously I get it. I mean, it's fun to look at the flashy stuff, but realistically I try to mix in and I find it to be very important to mix in the fact that like, no, I got this because I work every single day, every single day on this, on tendus, on standing in, on, in first position, yeah. standing still, working on the details, practicing, focusing, reading, you know, like all of that. But it's not sexy. It's really not. Like that work that goes into it is like so mundane to look at. And so it's hard to share. It's hard to consistently share because it's not as interesting and exciting as the before and after. And when you're trying to make it work as a business, Obviously, it feels like it would be flashier to share the before and afters and kind of try to catch that attention. It's less sexy to be like, let's work together for like six to eight weeks, two to three times a week. And like, really, <laughs> like that's just so boring. But realistically, it's what it's what you need to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I do have some before and afters on my on my profile, but they are slow coming because yeah. they are working on their results. You know, they're right. still working. They, they're not like, I don't have like a thousand before and afters to pull from because my, my students are not. And that's the other thing. Like a lot of them are like, I'm not comfortable sharing a before and after yet because look at the other before and afters out there. Yeah. And you know, what are people going to say about my before and after? Because it, you know, it's not as great as this person who's, you know, leg is behind their head and whatever. And I mean, that's just unfortunate to me because even the small victories should be like celebrated with, especially adult dancers. Um, because they don't have the same confidence as somebody who maybe grew up in the studio. So it, it's totally different. And, you know, and and then there's that whole other topic with the cyber bullying that really bothers me that, you know, I've seen, many adult dancers become victim to by people that are much younger than them. Yes. Um, I know before we, before we, we'll get there, let's get there in a sec. But before we leave this topic, one more point around the hard work over a long period of time is I think something that I, that I, that I wonder about how you do this as well is like, 
you have to get someone to believe that it's worth it and that it's going to work. You're going to see nothing for the first while. And that's okay, right? You don't need to see progress in one day to mean that you're doing it wrong. You need to keep going. You need to believe that you can change something about your body so that you'll bother doing it because it's going to take a lot of commitment to get where you're going. And make, getting them to believe that is really is really actually challenging. And again, as I mentioned at the beginning, like that motivation is actually a big reason why people might leave the platform. They're not leaving to go to you. They're leaving because they're, they, they don't believe they can do it. Yeah, yeah. That it is hard. Um, and some people are just harder personalities to convince that they have potential than others. Um, but what I do, well, there's a couple different things. It depends on kind of how they come to me. Um, some people, uh, they will start out my program by the first thing that they ever do is they book a feedback analysis with me. And we go through, you know, everything, all the compensatory patterns and anything that might be affecting them like pain wise or strength wise. And I, I pinpoint all of those things. And sometimes people will walk away from that analysis and be like, wow, I had no idea I was doing all that stuff or how that could affect me in the long run. Um, if I don't fix that thing. Um, and I tell them, hang on. And I, and I hang on, I hang on to their analysis <clears throat> in my, you know, folders on my desktop. And then you know, if they start training with me, maybe six weeks later, then I sometimes will go back and I'll look and, I, you know, if we're in a private lesson together, I'll be like, hey, you know what? You used to be really terrible at this. Let me <laughs> screenshot you right now. And um, <laughs> and then they're like, oh, okay. So I'll like screenshot them. And then I'll do the screen share on Zoom and I'll be like, hey, look at your analysis picture and look at what you're doing today. And they're like, oh my gosh, I have improved. And that's a lot of the time, like I really, and it's sometimes I'm bad about it because like I get caught up in the lesson and I don't think about it, but I really try to take as many pictures of the dancers during their lessons sometimes because, you know, they might not feel comfortable doing a before and after, but if you take it on the screen and you show them, yeah, you are over your boxes, your feet are getting stronger. Um, your extensions weren't 90 when we first started. Now they're at 120. Or, you know, hey, do you remember last, you know, the last time we tried this step and you had to hang onto the bar and now you're doing it in the center? Um, and, you know, and those kind of things. But I guess, you know, without, without um, somebody having that, that they actually join my platform and they actually start working with me it's hard to convince somebody that they have potential if they're really, if they've had a bad teacher who's really um, broken them down and said, Hey, you're never going to become a dancer or whatever. That's really hard. Um, or if they just like truly are looking at everything else that's out there on social media, comparing themselves to it. And they just don't believe that they have the potential to, you know, improve at all. Um, those people are really tough. And I really, I feel for those people because I was that person. Um, I was that person growing up. I was, I, I got kicked out of, well, not kicked out, but <laughs> it wasn't like bad behavior. Um, I ended up not getting chosen for three colleges, which really um, bummed me out when I was auditioning. And then the fourth time, I went and auditioned when I started training with some other people. Um, I got in and then it was a different college and 
<clears throat> I ended up getting my dance degree and going on and dancing professionally, and, and that's all great. But I always have had that person in the back of my head, even when I was on stage professionally, that would say, you're not good enough. Like, you're not good enough for what you're doing. And I, I still, like, get those times where I find myself really judging myself hard. And I don't think that it would matter what somebody says to me, <laughs> which is terrible. Because I, I just think that it was so ingrained in me as a child that I, I can't get rid of that tiny voice. But it also motivates me. It also motivates me to work much harder. And I, I think that's how I've taken that voice and I've changed it in my head where, okay, yeah, that voice... It angers me, but I work harder because of that. I'm not somebody who's, I'm not stuck on myself. I don't think I'm the best dancer in the world. And I do think that there's room for me to always improve. I don't care how old I am or how many classes I've taught. Yeah. And I think, and I think part of that is why the cyberbullying can hurt so much because it, it amplifies that little voice inside your head. Um, I know I've, I mean, I've certainly experienced it. You don't, you don't reach a level of followers without getting some haters, right? Haters are always going to hate no matter, yeah. you know, who you are or what you're doing, no matter literally what you're doing, there's always someone who doesn't like what you're doing. Um, and, you know, I've, I've, I have taken a lot of self-reflection on it because in the beginning it was extremely hurtful and extremely terrible to experience. But mm -hmm. the only ones that really, really stung were the ones that I already believed about myself. So when someone came on and told me I was fat, I'm like, I'm not too worried about that. It doesn't really hurt because I don't have that insecurity <laughs> about myself, right? Uh, but someone who did feel like overweight or were, was working towards that as a goal, that would be horrible. But then for me, the ones who would come on and be like, why are you teaching? You're so unqualified. You don't know anything about what you're doing or you're such a bad dancer. How could you dare like tell anyone anything about ballet? Right. And then because, you know, imposter syndrome is real, especially in the ballet world, those really, really hurt. And I'm like, oh man, you know, I should probably close my business. I don't really have the, you know, I don't really have what, what it takes to teach it. Right. But then I'm like, wait a sec, that is really just magnifying your own voice. Only the things that you're telling yourself over and over again are the ones that actually sting. So especially with our dancers, the ones who are like, I'll never be able to do this. I can't do it. I'm not good enough. Adults can't learn ballet. Someone comes on and says, you can't do this. You're not going to do it. And they're like, okay, I thought I couldn't. Like that will just magnify what you already believe about yourself. And I think that's really important self-reflection as well to hear what things hurt and what things don't. And the things that hurt are the things that you just need to push back on harder in your own mental you know, in your own mental space and in your own talk track to yourself. Yeah, I agree. And I think that um, I kind of started having the, that more of that, um, that I'm going to prove you wrong attitude when I was in college and I had an instructor say something kind of along the lines of what you said, um, because she had been um, rejected so many times and just, you know, had a really hard time finding her way. And then, you know, she was like, well, why don't you just prove them wrong? You know, like, and that's a really good way to think of it, mm -hmm. prove them wrong. Um, because what, you know, <laughs> you're going to only hurt yourself if you fall down and you let them, you know, take over what you're doing right now. Um, because I actually almost never opened this business because of how scared I was of how people would react to me online. Yeah. Um, it's scary. I first started my business. It was fitness by Veronica and I approached it as I just labeled myself as a personal trainer, which I am, but I was working with whoever wanted to work with me. Um, and I, I tried to emphasize that I specialized with dancers. 
Um, but I was too shy to actually put myself out there dancing on the internet because mm -hmm. I was really, I was really afraid. I was, I didn't know how people, you know, were going to react to me. And then it wasn't until April of last year that I switched my entire business, changed the name. And I finally was like, you know what, if I'm an adult, like it's time to just go and like, I need to do this for myself and I need to start like actually showing everybody the knowledge that I have and like how I can actually help them and how I've helped myself. It's just, and so now I'm, I'm over it, but it is really hard and it's really hard as, as a creator, as a business owner to want to put yourself out there because it's so vulnerable. And as an adult, I mean, you know, many of our dancers share little bits and pieces of their journey on Instagram. And I totally understand the ones who don't want to share any of it or they're, they're, they're watching Instagram and, and enjoying it. And maybe they're, you know, have a private profile and share some, some things that are scared to put it out there. I totally, totally, totally get it. And you won't know how it feels until it happens. And when it happens, it'll be terrible. And the second time will be terrible. And the third time will be terrible. But the 10th time won't be so bad. And then you'll be a lot stronger of a person for it. Um, but it's, it is, it is crazy. It is crazy that it happens and that it's part of it. The internet is just like such a, I mean, it's a great place sometimes, but it also has the others equally dark as equally bright. It has both sides. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I, I try to put it in perspective for myself too, sometimes where I'm like, Hey, like, um, <laughs> Some of my favorite celebrities get some really hateful comments and they're awesome people. So I'm like, you know, these people are getting these horrible comments and they have to reach a point where they're like, thanks, you know, have a great day. Yes. <laughs> you know, totally move along. <laughs> yes. Well, that, yes, yes. The very first time it happened to me, I was like, oh, I must have reached some new people. <laughs> it's not just my friends who are looking at my profile now. I have yeah. reached I have reached the masses. That's a success, but also like, ooh, don't look at me. <laughs> um, I guess, you know, I like to I like to kind of wrap up the conversation with a piece of advice. Um, if you have something general you want to give, I'll leave it open to you. But more specifically, I would also love for you to touch on the question, can adults be good dancers? This is a question that I get a lot and that people have a lot in their own minds can they actually become good at ballet? Can they actually do it? Is there hope for someone who started as an adult um, in, in ballet and or general advice you have for the for our adult ballet listeners? Well, I 100% think that adults can become good dancers. It just, one, it depends on how hard you're willing to work. And, you know, the amount of work you put into anything, it's going to reflect on your results. I am a strong believer of that. Um, but I have worked with people who have come into this dance world of being an adult ballet dancer um, with no experience and have been given their first pair of point shoes online. Um, and literally, I have this girl, and I'm not going to drop names, but she's doing Italian fuetes better than I ever did them. And she just started dancing like last year with me. So... You know, <laughs> yes, absolutely. If you're dedicated to yourself, if you're going to invest the time and the resources and you really want that, you know, if you really want to become an adult dancer, that is, you know, up to you to get that energy and put into it. Will you become a professional dancer in a company? I don't know. I mean, that's again, like that's kind of a hard one because 
some companies are really open to adult dancers now. Others are still really closed to it. And that has nothing to do with you personally as an adult dancer and your skill level. Because I've been rejected from many places just based purely on the fact that I'm too short or too wide or something stupid. Like, you know, and that's, you get over that, you know, the more you see and then you're just kind of like, okay, whatever. Um, but, you know, and becoming a dancer does not mean you have to dance professionally. Mm -hmm. um, dancer is, you know, a, a broad term or a ballet dancer is a broad term that applies to anybody. There's many wonderful, wonderful dancers out there who just don't want to be on stage. And that's okay. Um, because, you know, I hit a point in my career where I was like, you know what, I'm not feeling this anymore. I need to go do something else. You just burn out a little bit. Um, but yeah, and, and and I saw more of my progress. I would say the most progress that I saw with my dancing was from the age of like 19 years old to now until I've become pregnant. So, you know, no, it's not too late. You still have the ability to gain muscle. You have the ability to gain flexibility. I even used to tell this to my 80 year old patients that were, um, you know, they were coming off of surgeries or coming off of really bad injuries. And they're like, well, can I gain this muscle back? Am I too old now? No, you're not too old. You literally always have that potential mm -hmm. to gain new muscle cells. You always have that potential to grow and get stronger. That's why, you know, we give therapy to the elderly and, you know, or if you've seen somebody who's gotten really buff in their older years, if they can do that, you can become a dancer. So, you know, it is really what you put into it at the end of the day. That is, that is my best advice to you. If you want it, go get it. <laughs> I love it. I love a few things that you said in there. You said in the very beginning, if you dedicate yourself to it, if you invest in yourself, if you invest in you, and it really is in many ways an investment in yourself, it's you saying to the world, I'm going to take time for myself, for me right now. I'm going to take time for something that has really no, nothing externally in the beginning, except for bettering me as a person for bettering myself. And that's huge. Um, and I love, I love actually that you've done physical therapy with, with people in their eighties. I think that that's actually a huge, something I never thought of before as a comparison, people who are in their eighties, can they learn something? If you can relearn mobility and motion after an incredible accident or surgery, that's actually a huge testament to our ability and capability to continue growing at that age. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I learned so much by being in a hospital and a skilled nursing facility. You see a lot and you learn a lot about the human body in those instances. I bet. I bet. Oh my gosh. I bet you learned so much about growth really at, 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 a, at a, at a greater age. I know we were going to wrap it up, but I have one more question <laughs> for you. Um, I feel like we could talk for literally the entire day. Um, <laughs> all of our clients are like, why didn't we get an email back? And I'm like, we were recording a podcast for three hours. I was busy. Sorry. <laughs> about that. <laughs> but one thing I find actually super fascinating about, um, those of us who teach adults of all different body types is that I think we actually have a very unique skill set of teaching people who don't have ballet bodies to have a ballet body. Whereas people who teach at the top schools, they've already filtered out all the people who don't have ballet bodies and they don't have to bother figuring out how to give someone a ballet body. What do you think about that topic? That is really true. Um, I think that it's a lot more challenging and you have to pull upon a lot more like skills that are um, everyday verbiage to explain something to somebody and really relate it to like a normal movement mechanic 
um, because they are a, a normal human. Like you can't just stand in the classroom and spill out choreography. I think it's so much easier to teach my advanced dancers yeah. um, at the studio who've been dancing for years and years. It's super easy to teach my advanced dancers because I can just throw out crazy combinations. I don't have to explain it. They do the choreography. I give them feedback. Cool. Awesome. Have a nice day. Like, I mean, of course I, I'm like doing it with effort. I'm not. Right, like, no, I hear you. Like, but it's so much more intense to try to explain to somebody what is turnout. Yeah. And, and they'll look, you know, from a, a um, untrained eye, they look at turnout and they think, oh, it's happening from my feet. No, it's happening from your hips. Like, and, and you, you have to really understand how to isolate and show them the mechanic and make them feel it in a normal setting and then transfer it over to, okay, now it's going to be functional for dance. And that was something that I would say my therapy degree and being a personal trainer really prepared me well for teaching and coaching adults. It really changed the way that I, cause I, I would say that before that I was very much so I would go in and teach those advanced ballet classes and I wasn't thinking about, um, you know, those small minute details. Right. And, and now it's just, I, it's made me such a better teacher, dancer, everything, you know, just to be able to explain something to somebody in regular terms. Totally. And it's like, how do you take someone who's not flexible and help them get flexible? How do you take someone with no, with no turnout, with no natural turnout and help them have turnout? That's not something that you have to do when you're teaching at the elite ballet schools because everyone you got has natural turnout. They already filtered out the people who don't. So you're like always problem solving on regular bodies. How do you get a regular body to work for ballet and vice versa? That's like a huge part of, I think, what we both do with our people. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a definitely a more advanced skill set than just rattling off intense choreography. Right. Because or you really have to understand anatomy for yeah. that to work for you. Yeah. Um, and I know you read a ton and you do a lot of research and stuff like that. And I'm sure that that's helped you immensely with being able to explain to your dancers. Cause I had one dancer who said, you know what? I've danced for years and I never had that explained correctly to me until I started taking classes with you and Julie. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> like <laughs> online studio. No, <laughs> just kidding. I know, right? Totally. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a huge, I think that, just as a, as, a, as a dancer, I've always just been, I mean, I, I got obsessed with ballet. I just got obsessed with it. Just how does it work? Why doesn't it work? How does it work? I mean, I think as an adult, it's like the last thing we have that's close to magic. Like when you get a balance that works, it just feels like no other feeling. And as someone who hates roller coasters and physical risk, balancing and standing <laughs> still is about the craziest I'm going to get. And so to, <laughs> to have Oh, that, I'm the opposite. <laughs> oh man, I'm like, yay, I'm standing still on point. This is so exciting. It's such a fun feeling. Um, so for me, like, like that's how I get my kicks. <laughs> so it's like magic to me because I don't, I don't like any other physical sensations. Um, that's why turning is so hard for me. <laughs> so I, it's magic. See, that's like, I'm like the opposite. I love the risk factor. So I'm like, whenever I did like Grand Allegro or anything really big and crazy, like with dance, I always like had that adrenaline rush and I was like, yeah, adrenaline, let's go. Um, so I was always like the jumper and like really crazy, like big stuff like that. 
Um, which is also why I was, I also um, am a big jazz dancer too. Mm. I loved jazz growing up and I danced on Carnival Cruise. So um, jazz was always a huge thing for me. I actually wanted to be like in Giordano dance or like Fosse when I was in college and just didn't pan out. Oh <laughs> I, never my I don't know. I just like lost that motivation on that. And I was like, eh, moving on to something else. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's incredible. Uh, so funny. Everyone, like I, like we were talking in the beginning, everyone has their strengths and the parts of ballet that they really, really enjoy teaching and dancing. Oh my gosh. It's so funny. I always think it's hilarious when I meet someone who's the exact opposite. Cause I'm like, I can't even fathom where you're coming from. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know it's, it's, it is great though, because, and it's just like the adagio versus the allegro dancer. Like, yeah. You watch somebody and they have awesome extensions and you're like, yeah, well, you're not, they're not as great as jumping as I am or whatever, you know, but it, it is funny. We all have our strengths and we shouldn't, um, we shouldn't uh, downgrade any dancer because they have strength in certain areas. It's just, it is how we are, you know, yeah. we actually have different muscle fibers. Some people are more conditioned with their um, type two than type one muscle fibers. And so that's, it's just like the endurance athlete versus the sprinter. So our sprinters and our endurance athletes, endurance uh, adagio, sprinter allegro. So, and I did sprint in high school. So <laughs> again, <laughs> there we go. Always so funny. Well, this was actually incredibly fun to be able to actually chat. I mean, we've chatted online forever, but it's fun to actually be able to sit down face to face and, chat about these topics that we're both super passionate about. So thanks a lot for your time today. I had a lot of fun yeah. getting to sit down together. Yes, I did too. And, and honestly, when I uh, get this little guy out of me, I'm going to be coming to take some classes with you, probably starting at the beginner level again. <laughs> hey, ain't no shame in that. We all, I personally love the beginner classes. They're nice and slow and detailed and you can get nitty gritty. So oh, I'm I a huge fan of the beginner level myself. <laughs> I know everybody needs it every now and then. Thank you so much for having me, Julie. I really appreciate it. Yes, thank you so much. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Veronica's programs, visit her online at veronicakballet.com or find her on Instagram at veronicakballet. For more adult ballet, you can dance with us in our online studio with over 20 hours of live Zoom classes each week, including pre-point and point or our on-demand technique library with structured courses, variations, and recorded live classes. We also offer ballet exams just for adults, including ballet technique, point, and pre-point for individual feedback and guidance. Don't forget to follow our studio on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook at Broche Ballet. I'm Julie, and this was Broche Banter. Happy dancing!